kind of peace. What do you mean? Do you know what that ring on your finger means? It means I'm married. Yeah, well, it also means you made a lifelong covenant. You putting on that ring while saying your vows. The sad part about it is when most people promise for better or for worse, they really only mean for the better. Catherine and I were in love when we got married, but today <clears throat> we're two very different people, all right? It's just not working out anymore. Caleb, <clears throat> salt and pepper are completely different. Their makeup is different, their taste and their color. But you always see them together. And when you... Hold on just a second. What are you doing? Michael. Hey. What'd you do that for? Caleb, when two people get married, it's for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health. I know that. But marriages aren't fireproof. Sometimes you get burned. Fireproof doesn't mean that a fire will never come, but that when it comes, you'll be able to withstand it. <clears throat> you didn't have to glue them together. Don't do it, Caleb. If you pull them apart now, you'll break either one or both of them. I am not a perfect person, but better than most. And if my marriage is failing, it is not all my fault. But Caleb, man, I've seen you run into a burning building to save people you don't even know. But you're going to let your own marriage just burn to the ground. How many are ready to save some more marriages? Amen. Well, I tell you what, we've got more marriages saved this week. Hallelujah. And since we started this, it's wonder what God's been doing. But you know, it's not just about saving marriages, but turning marriages and turning lives and happiness around. And I've been sharing quite a bit about the Song of Solomon, and we're talking about the love and the romance. But today, we want to get where the rubber hits the road. How many of you know it's not just all love and romance, but how many know the fire does come? And so we want to share some things today, and we want to share uh, some truths here for always and for ever. <laughs> and I want to just share some things with you that I believe would be an encouragement to you today. I want you to see this first scripture. This is so important. Let the word of God, let the word speak to you today, whether it be as a two-edged sword to cut or to heal, but let the word speak to you. And the scripture here says, remember the scripture says Jesus is speaking. Isn't it amazing? We spoke about how the devil got into the garden of Eden right after God created man and woman and brought them together. And here comes Satan in the very next chapter. And Jesus' first miracle was in a marriage. And now we find out his first message, the Sermon on the Mountain, was about marriage. And it says, remember, whoever divorces his wife, let him do it legally, giving her divorce papers and legal rights. Too many of you are using that as a cover for selfishness and whim, pretending to be righteous just because you are legal. Please, no more pretending. If you divorce your wife, you're responsible for making her an adulteress. And if you marry such a divorced adulteress, you automatically adulter yourself. You can use legal to cover and to mask 
moral failure. And we'll stop right there for just right now. You know, it talks there, it uses that word selfishness that we'll get into in a little bit. But I looked up that word whim in the dictionary. This is very interesting. You're taking notes. It says selfishness and whim. And that word whim in the dictionary means a sudden desire for a change. A sudden desire for a change or an impulse. And it comes an old English word. It means fickleness. It just means you're crazy. I'm ready for a change. And so I started thinking. And back in the 90s, I, I saved my phone from the 90s. I got this in Argentina. This phone I had with me when we got over here. And man, I thought I was cool. I had this big old thing on the side of my belt. And then I had this down pack. My wife would call me. And I could pull that antenna out with my teeth. This is Crockett here. <laughs> and man, I thought, I mean, I thought I was it. I mean, th- I mean, we've arrived. We went from a bag phone and a connected phone to a cell phone. Y'all remember these? Boy, these were cool. This is such a keepsake. And then we got up here. And then uh, we got another phone that I ended up sending to the military. And then a few years ago, I had this for over four years. I had the Razor. Man, was, were we cool, are we cool with the razor or what? I would have kept this phone if it wouldn't have just ended up dying on me. But I had this phone for four years. And then they told me it was time for an upgrade, and they would upgrade me. So I went from a razor to a Blackberry. And so, man, we got the Blackberry, and we're cool. But how many of you know with every upgrade, there's a price? And every time you see something, there's always something better coming out. And, you know, I got the, uh, this Blackberry uh, back around December time. But now I saw the other day on TV that Fender came out with a phone. Did y'all see the Fender phone? Oh, man, that thing looks like guitar wood, and it's got, you can put strings. I mean, that phone was so cool. But I already got something. But how many of you know, you already have something, but there's always going to be something else that comes along that's going to whim you. It's going to make you want to change your mind. And how many of you know that when you're in a contract with a phone company, even though you want a phone, if you're going to get out of that contract, it's going to cost you. Well, we will reconsider changing phones, but we end up in this nation, end up considering changing mates as easy as we do phone. But how many of you know that anything you do as far as separation and divorce goes is going to cost you? And what we want to see today is we want to see what the Word of God says. I know some of you are saying, but you don't know how bad I have it. But ride this message out with me and let us get into the Word and let me share some things with you to help you that I believe will help you and encourage you. And Jesus is saying here is selfishness and whim because you've taken a wedding vow. And we'll go on and continue reading in 33. It goes on to say, and don't say automatically, an adulterer, don't say automatically anything you don't mean. Just don't say something to say something. Don't say I do and you really mean I won't. The counsel is embedded in deep in your traditions. You only make things worse when you lay down a smoke screen of pious talk. Saying, I'll pray for you and never do it. Or saying, God be with you and not meaning it. You don't make your words true by embellishing them with religious lace. In making your speech sound more religious, it becomes less true. Don't say yes and no. Look at this last part here. It says, when you manipulate words to get your own way, you're wrong. How many of you know a lot of people today just like cell phones? I want a new marriage. I want a new mate. I want to start off with somebody else. I want a new beginning. And and I want to share these things with you today because the church has to save the marriage. For example, we could always find excuses well, you know, my, my wife just don't do it for me. My husband just don't do it for me. 
Now, when we first got married, the intimacy was exciting, but now it just don't seem like there's nothing there left. Well, let me tell you something. Selfishness, all about intimacy, looks, all these things, that is wood, hay, and stubble, and you're building your marriage on things that are going to burn up instead of what is really true, which is the heart connection and the love and the vows you made for better or for worse. If we build on just the outward circumstances and what we thought we really wanted, I mean, it's wood, hay, and stubble. It's going to burn up. It's going to fall apart. No foundation is going to last a lengthy time just built upon that. Because after you get married, how many know after you get married, it's not like in the movies? How many of you know it's not like what you see in the movies? It's not what they show on TV. It's not what you see on the Hallmark Channel. It's usually not, the, when you first get married, it's not, oh, I just love you. Usually it's, you're on my hair. <laughs> you're stabbing my back. I mean, it's not like what you see on the Hallmark Channel. I mean, y'all know what I'm talking about. Some of y'all might just be Don Juan and good, congratulations. <laughs> but at the beginning, there's a lot of torture. And this is not what I saw on TV. Well, no, welcome to the real world. <laughs> and we have these images on what marriage is going to be. When my wife and I, 14 and 15 years old, all excited about getting married, I would tell her, honey, I can't wait till we're married. I'm going to rub your feet with lotion every night. And she'd smile, oh, baby, I can't wait to get married. We'll be together. We'll, this and that and the other. You'll be rubbing my feet. This and that and the other. I have not rubbed her feet every night for 28 years. I was lying. I was trying to make points. And for 28 years, she has reminded me, what did you promise me? I said, what, baby? You're going to rub my feet for the rest of my life. And, and you know, I haven't. And, you know, you, you see these things and you think everything's supposed to be perfect, just like when we were dating. Uh, I take her to Burger King. That was our place to go. And so she wanted to be romantic one night, so she put a French fry in her mouth, and she said, baby, if you want this French fry, you're going to have to come get it. <laughs> so I leaned over the table, and, and I went to get the French fry, and I bit down. But what I didn't know, I grabbed her lip and not the French fry. <laughs> and I started pulling, and she was going, uh, uh. I said, baby, I know I'm good. And then when I finally let go, she was bleeding. I busted her lip. I cut. I bit her lip. Huh, baby? And she's never asked me to eat a French fry out of her mouth again. <laughs> Years later, she sent me to get my teeth filed. <laughs> but we get these images, and it's, you know what? This just isn't working. What's not working? Welcome to the real world. And no matter what is not what you projected it or had the image of it being, change happens. Things happen. And one of the things we're going to see that's a big cause of divorce today is living in denial. And we're going to deal with some very important things here. But I want you to see here that Jesus is talking about you want this divorce, this and that and the other. If, you, if, if you're taking notes, write this down. Where divorce starts, divorce just doesn't happen overnight. Just like adultery and other things just don't happen overnight. It winds its way in like a snake. You need to write this down. Divorce star starts in the mind or in the thought. 
You start thinking about it. You know what? I think I made a mistake. I think I'm getting over him. I think I'm getting over her. I can't believe I'm with this person for the rest of my life. No, I, just torment me. Just kill me that I'm going to be with this person the rest of my life. And you start thinking it. You start thinking thoughts like, you know, I'm really not happy. You start thinking thoughts, I made a mistake. I know when we were first just married, before we went to the mission field, we got into an argument, and I was a mama's boy, and the first thing I did, I went and got the phone, I picked up the phone, I called mama, and I told mama, I said, mama, I made a mistake, and she came, she hung the phone up, she says, I'm not your mama, you're fighting with me, boy. <laughs> and then God sent us to the mission field where there was no phone and nobody but her and I, it was the best thing for us, even though we had some knockdown drag outs. A lot of people won't be open. A lot of people won't tell you the truth. But I want to tell you something. I'm a pastor, and I'm not going to tell you how it's been the Garden of Eden and how wonderful and all that. I'm going to tell you the truth. I was a jerk. I love to provoke. I love to provoke. And for years, I would provoke just to see her get mad because it was fun. And so we've, I tell you, we have had some, I'm not going to tell you we've had the perfect marriage. We've had a great, wonderful marriage, but we had some knockdown dragouts. And I can confess to you today, almost most of it was my fault. Almost most of it was my fault. I had a wake-up call about five years ago when my brother-in-law was murdered over 40 stabbings. And we got the news that he had been murdered and killed. I knew him since he was nine months old, and their dad had passed away, and this, my brother-in-law looked to me more as a dad. A lot of people here know how he would look to me more as a dad figure than a brother-in-law. And we got that news, and I remember standing at his casket, and I was repenting to him laying there for attitudes and things that I had done, things I had said, things disrespectful I did. And when I was opening my heart and just telling him how I regret so many things that I did and, I, and, and for him to forgive me, even though he wasn't there, I found myself, what I was telling him, I was guilty of how I treated her. And repenting to him that it was too late woke me up that there are so many little petty things so many ways in my life that was so wrong the way I treated her and repenting of him woke me up and said every day, every day is a gift from God and I can't take it for granted any longer. And I changed. I changed. I needed to change. I'm not saying she changed, but the way she did change is because I changed first because I had taken her for granted. So many ways I wasn't right in it. And so I'm standing before you, and I'm, I'm just being transparent, and I'm just confessing the truth. There was a lot of things. There was a lot of things I needed to change in if I wanted the type of marriage we really needed. And so the thing I would tell you that more than anything else, and, and the Williams, anybody else would tell you, don't take one day for granted. When my parents passed away. When Jay passed away, you just don't know. And every day is a gift from God. And, and it's so important that we do our best to live together. And, and, and we're going to see today, fight for our marriage, fight for our wives, fight for our husbands, fight for our children. But there are things that we've got to work in our lives. And the thing we've got to work on is our thought life. And I just got this this week. This is a brand new study. 
Self-inflicted depression, anxiety, shame, and guilt, according to this study of researchers, there is more shame, more guilt, more depression, more low self-esteem for emotional affairs than physical affairs. Now, in no way does this say you need to go ahead and have a physical affair and not an emotional affair. But this goes to show you, according to these studies, there is so much pressure and anxiety and shame and guilt over the thought life even more than the physical. And these studies were made to show us. And what I want to share with you today, Jesus wants to free us from living a life of frustration, anxiety, and pain. And that comes by obeying and living according to his word. Amen. Now, I shared with you about cell phones. I want to share something else about you, uh, with you. About eight years ago, we bought our house, and uh, it was a nice little house. Our boys were smaller then, but then they grew up, and for I don't know how long, Lance has been uh, living in our uh, dining room. We hung some beads up in the dining room, and he's, living, uh, he's sleeping in the dining room, and I hear his little friends come over and go, you know, why don't you have a door? Well, he lives in the dining room. And then Brandon's got his room, and Cody's got his room. And, and you know, we would love to have a bigger house. I can't say we have our, a dream house, but do you know that we looked for nine months for homes? And isn't it something that when you get your home and then you get a magazine or you're watching the cable channel, how many ever see houses you wish you would have bought? How many can say we're not in our dream home right now? And so, you know, you get your house or you're having your house built and you go to somebody else's house and you think, why didn't I do that? Or why couldn't I buy something? Or for the same price, look what I could have bought. It's amazing. Something so, we're getting ready to sign a 30-year mortgage on this house and a week later we're ready to go into another house. We're always saying there could be something better, there could be something better. The grass is always greener over the septic tank. There's always a better car. There's always a better bike. There's always a better this. There's always a better that. But everything better comes with a price. And you know what? In a week or in a month, it's devaluated and it's owed to. So we need to understand, you need to look at your mate. You need to tell them right now, you're my dream mate. You're my dream mate. Come on, y'all tell them. Come on, cooperate here. Y'all tell them. Even if you don't believe it right now, say it by faith. You're my dream mate, and I'm glad that I have you. Amen. I want to share this next scripture with you. Matthew 5, 27, 30. This is the message. You know the very next commandment pretty well. Here's Jesus. is still in the Sermon on the Mount. Don't go to bed with another man's spouse. Everybody say amen. amen. But look what he goes on to say. But don't think you're preserved your virtue... This is what I want to say. Character is the bricks that build a foundation. Personality and love builds a foundation for a strong house, for a strong marriage, where when you build your marriage upon, oh, he's fun. Oh, she's fun. Oh, we always have such a good time. Oh, they're great this way. They're great that way. When you build it upon some things, you're building on hay and stubble, and it's going to fall. But when you build it on character, when you build it upon God first, when you build it upon the word, it's going to last. And this is Jesus is saying, don't think you preserved your virtue simply by staying out of bed with somebody else's mate. Your heart can be corrupted by lust even quicker than your body. Do y'all see that? The thought life is where divorce and separation starts, and your thought life can be corrupted faster than your body. 
He goes on to say, those leering looks you think nobody notices, they also are corrupt. Let's not pretend this is easier than it really is. If you want to live a morally pure life, here's what you have to do. You have to blind your right eye the moment you catch it in a lustful leer. We got kitchen knives at the table for sale today. You have to choose to live one-eyed or else be dumped on a moral trash pile. You have to chop off your right hand the moment you notice it raised threateningly. Better a bloody stump than your entire body discarded for, the, for good in the dump. Or in other words, if there is something, if there's somebody you're working with and you're getting emotionally attached, you need to stop it, you need to cut it, you need to dump it before you end up getting dumped into a pile of trash. If there's something that the computer is a problem with for you, you need to get a sledgehammer like it did in Love Dare. You need to break that thing before it breaks you. If there's something that is causing you to fail, something that is drawing your attention and trying something that's defeating you and bringing you into an area of addiction, you need to break it off of you and break it out of your life. You need to get it away from your eyes before. If, if there's a program on TV that you watch, a show, something that just causes you to fall down on the inside, corruption of the mind, you need to stop watching that program. You need to fast that program. You need to fast TV until you can gain control of your mind because divorce and separation, which is up to 56% and over 50% of Christians, it starts in the area of thoughts and minds. I could have got somebody better. I need something like that. Why can't my marriage be like that? Why can't he look like that? Why can't she look like that? But I tell you what, even Brad Pitt's going to end up looking like the man on the Poncho's uh, restaurant. <laughs> that chest is going to drop into the drawers. <laughs> Nothing stays the same forever. Hair falls out. You know, we were at, a, we were at a, 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 a seminar for spiritual warfare, casting out devils in, in, uh, in uh, uh, Nashville, casting out devils, binding the devil, how to win over principalities and powers and so forth and so on. So we're in this spiritual warfare conference in Nashville, and, and, and uh, we're in a little crowd, and I stand up, and this lady touches me on the shoulder. She says, I have a word for you. And I said, oh, yeah, what's your word? She says, I have a prophetic vision, something to do with your hair. And I thought, ooh. And I said, well, what is it? She says, I don't know, but I just keep looking at your gorgeous hair. And her husband's standing next to her, and he's bald. And I wanted to give her a word, and it wasn't a word from the Lord. I wanted to tell her, you got a problem, woman. Stop talking about my hair. How many of you know the outward appearance will decay, but this inward man that is there through richer or poorer, for better or for worse. When I made a covenant, I made a covenant. It starts off by us thinking about it, and it goes on to say there, here is another thing. You cover up the Lord's altar. Well, no, we're not there yet. We're going there in a minute. But write this down. We think it, and then we start seeing it. When you think it, you start seeing it. He says, watch the eye. You think something. You know, I could do better than this. You know, I downgraded when I got married. I was young. You know what a lot of people say? Pastor, I can get a divorce because I married him B.C. B.C., yeah, before Christ. So now, now that I'm saved, no, 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 no. An oath is an oath. And I want you to see here, we start seeing things. You know, I'm just married to this ball and chain, and I can do better than this. 
You're going around, instead of watching God's word, you're going around talking to Larry the Cable Guy. Well, bud, why don't you trade up? A lot of people put emphasis upon what the world and Oprah and all these others say. They put a lot of emphasis on what people say. Let me tell you something about the world. The world rewards sin. You know what I saw yesterday? And, and, and I don't have a problem with Tiger Woods. I mean, you know, I don't have a problem with him at all. And, 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 but people were coming down so hard with his failures. But now he's on the cover of Lace Potato Chips. And it said on the internet yesterday, it's over. Tiger Woods is back. Oh, well, let's welcome him back. Yay! He goofed up and he went with a bunch of hundred women or whatever. And, and, and his marriage and all this. Other. But you know what? Let's just forgive. Let's take him back and put him on the cover of Lace Potato Chips. Yay! The world rewards sin. Oh, they'll slap your hand for a week, maybe a month. But they say, come on, come on back. Let's celebrate you. And the world will tell you, you know what? If he messed up, she had it coming to him. That's not what Jesus says. You just didn't mess up. Something thought in your mind. Something was going on in your mind a long time before you messed up. You started seeing some things a long time before you messed up. And after you start seeing things, then you start saying things. Start saying things to your buddies. Start saying to yourself, you know, start speaking out loud. You know, I made a mistake. We just need to quit. We just need to separate. And then number four, after you see it and you say it, then you do it. You start calling the attorney and you start investigating and trying to find out what's going on. I want to share something with you right from the Father's heart here. Look what it says. Here's another thing you do in Malachi 2, 13 through 16. Here's another thing you do. You cover the Lord's altar with tears and weeping and groaning because he pays no attention to your offerings and doesn't accept them with pleasure. You cry out, why doesn't the Lord accept my worship? Here it is. I tell you why. I'm going to church. What's wrong with my life? Why is it church working for me? Because the Lord witnessed the vows you and your wife made. Who witnessed? Not just the people present. It says the Lord witnessed the vows that you made when you were young. But you have been unfaithful to her, though she remained your faithful partner. The wife of your marriage vows. Didn't the Lord make you one? The Lord made you one with your wife? In body and spirit, you are his. And what does he want? Godly children from your union. So listen to what it says here. So guard your heart. Say that with me. So guard your heart. Guard your thoughts, your eyes, your words. Remain loyal to the wife of your youth. For I hate divorce, says the Lord God of Israel. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty. Overwhelm her with cruelty says the Lord God of heaven's armies. Then he says it again. So guard your heart and do not be unfaithful to your wife. Do you know what God is saying here? Watch this. He's saying, I own marriage. I invented it. I have the patent on marriage. The patent is my word. You can't distort, you can't take away, and you can't change what belongs to me. When, you, when I witnessed you making a covenant with your wife and your husband. You can't distort it with, well, you know, it just ain't working, so we're going to try something else. I want to upgrade or I want to degrade, whatever it may be. He says, I own marriage, and you cannot take what I created and put it in your hands and start creating your own way or thinking about how marriage should be or how you could get away or how you should do this and you should do that. He says, I own marriage. It's mine, and I want it held 
pure and holy before me because it's mine. Andy Stanley said this, when you see as God sees, we're more likely to do as God says. It's hard to do as God says when we don't see it the way God sees it. God says and God sees divorce as something that he hates. Now look at this in the message translation. And here's a second offense. You fill the place of worship with your whining and snivering because you don't get what you want from God. But do you know why? Simple. Because God was there as a witness when you spoke your marriage vows to your young bride. And now you've broken these vows, broken the faith bond which you vowed companion, your covenant wife, your covenant husband. Goes on to say, God, not you, made marriage. God made marriage. It's his invention. His spirit inhabits even the, look at this, his spirit, say his spirit. It inhabits even the smallest details of marriage. Listen to God's word here. His spirit inhabits even the smallest details of marriage. He invented marriage. He owns marriage. It's so important to him. His spirit inhabits the communication, the love, the thoughts, how we see, how we act, how we communicate. His spirit wants to inhabit into every area. That's why it talks about do not quench the spirit of God, even in the areas, the simplest areas of our marriage. Because his spirit wants to inhabit there. And it's only his spirit that can make the perfect marriage. Some people say, and I share this with the singles, some people say, you know, this marriage ain't working out because he's just not meeting my needs. Well, then it's going to be a divorce because there is nobody who can meet your needs because nobody was made to meet your needs like Jesus. There's a lot of people complain, you know, I just don't get fed in that church. I just don't feel like I'm getting fed in church. I don't feel like I'm getting the word of God like I need. Well, listen, this is not a place to keep you fed. You come here and get fed, but you need to get walk with the Holy Spirit and the word of God every day for you to grow and be built up. We're not a church. Listen, a church is not here to take the place of Jesus. Nothing can take the place of Jesus. And people turn on church and people turn on ministry and people turn and they blame everything. But listen, the church cannot fulfill you, cannot fill you, it cannot fill the voids in your life. Only Jesus Christ can fulfill the needs in your life. And it's the same thing about marriage. Your husband, your man, he may be the greatest man and she may be the greatest woman that you've ever met in your life. And I praise God for that. But you know what? Even the greatest man and woman, even Billy Graham would not meet all of your needs. Only Jesus can. And if you get married to somebody because you got a need that needs to be met, you're building on wood, hay, and stubble. And it's not going to last. Amen. Okay, where was I? God, not you, made marriage. His spirit inhibits, inhabits, not inhibits. His spirit inhabits even the smallest details of marriage. And what does he want from you? Children of God. So, so guard the spirit, listen, so guard the spirit of marriage within you. Guard the thoughts of marriage in your mind. Don't cheat on your spouse. I hate divorce, says the God of Israel. God of angel armies. I hate the violent. Look at this. This is so interesting. I hate the violent dismembering of one's flesh of marriage. Wow. I hate dismembering children from their mother and their father. 
I hate that you're breaking the daughter that I stood witness as you said I do. I hate the dismembering of their emotions, their personality, their hopes and their dreams when you start cheating and you start robbing and you start coming against them and you start divorcing them. You're cutting my daughter. You're cutting my son into pieces. You're dismembering the very core that I built within them because of selfishness, unhappiness, and desire. He said, I created marriage. He witnessed the vows, not just a contract, a covenant that he made with wife. The Lord says, didn't I make you one? So guard the spirit of marriage within your thoughts. Be careful for the way you think. And let me say something right quick to those who have been divorced. Listen, we do not have a doctrine of excommunication. If you are here today and you're divorced, you're not excommunicated. I have divorced friends who are pastors today. I believe that there is life, I believe there is ministry, and I believe that there is hope. Just because you're divorced doesn't mean you don't have hope. Please don't misunderstand me. You're divorced, it's under the blood, it's over. But now take this wisdom and get prepared for the next step in your life. I believe that I believe God has somebody special for you. You're not excommunicated from heaven or from church or from ministry or from a future because you have a divorce. Lots of my friends are divorced. Leadership in this church has been divorced, some of them. There's been, I've got pastor's friends. They're pastors, and they're divorced. I don't believe divorces of God, but there was things that happened that, that caused, and some of them was before they were saved. But just because you're divorced, don't give up hope. But at the same time, church, divorce is not the will of God now that you're flown in Christ. But we need to know some things. He calls divorce violent, cruelty, dismembering and he's saying don't overwhelm my daughter now there's some things i want to talk about marriage right quick how many of you know how many of you have ever drunk coffee with sweet and low and you're used to drinking sugar how many of you know you can tell the difference take one swig and you just want to spit that stuff out how many of you have had to eat a cake that was made out of sweet and low instead of sugar you notice the difference well how many of you know there's a difference between what the world says is a good marriage and what jesus says is a good marriage. There's a difference in the real and the fake. And so many people are whining. You know, uh, she's not meeting my needs. Well, cuckoo, cuckoo, she's not there to meet your needs. Let me tell you another one. This person doesn't make me feel valuable anymore. I don't like the character of this person. I feel the Holy Spirit is leading me to break it off. I feel like the Holy Spirit is telling me to break it off. But if you're dating, maybe he is. But if you're married, that ain't the Holy Ghost you're hearing from. Well, you know, this person was different when we were dating. Another thing, singles, let me share this with you. If that person you're dating is a flirter, you drop him today. You drop her today. If they flirt while you're dating, they're going to double flirt after you're married. I mean, they're just things you need to see that, you know, you want to live in denial. But he treats me so good. Yeah, and he flirts with every woman. The good, the bad, and the ugly. He just can't help himself. You better drop him like a brick. And then other people say, well, once we get married, I'll change him. The Bible says that only the Holy Spirit can change, and you ain't no Holy Ghost. <laughs> only the Holy Spirit can change that man or that woman. You can't change them. How many of you know? How many can say amen to that? Amen. Th- look, I, this is on YouTube. Listen to these vows. I take you to be my lawfully starter wife. <laughs> to ignore and to neglect from this day forward till I get tired of you. <laughs> 
for better and better, for richer as we go into debt. As long as you stay healthy, forsaking all others till I get a better one. To join with you and ignore your needs, to yell at you and be faithful to you till I get a new one, till divorce do us part. Does that sound like America or does that sound like America? Drive through marriage. Let's look at this. Number one, some of the lies we believe. Let me give you these real quick. Denying the problem. This, this is so important. So many people live in denial. I didn't see it coming. What's going on? You wanted to be blind to what was really going on. You weren't thinking about the other person's need. You weren't thinking about how the other person is acting or responding. And these things start creeping in. Uh, you know, they'll never leave me. These things will never happen. Don't fall into denial. Why? Let me show one of the things. One of the worst things about denial is that usually it's a sign of pride. Well, you know, I'm not going to get with a counselor and tell her what I'm really feeling. Listen, it'd be better to humble yourself with a counselor or with a pastor or with somebody spiritual than end up getting humbled in an area of divorce standing before a judge. Pride means... I'll, I don't want to admit my problems. I don't want to admit my failures. But how many know humility is strength? Amen? There's consequences when we don't want to admit the truth. Another thing is, I don't want to admit that I have a problem because then I'm going to have to work on it. Mm -hmm. And I just don't have the energy to work on it. I don't have the energy to talk about this again. I don't want to talk about this again. I don't want to hear you again on this. And oh, you get in this area of denial and pride about how, you know what, I just don't have the time or the energy for us to talk about this. And I don't have the time to go to, to a counselor. And I don't have time to go to church. I don't have time to listen to those tapes. No, the thing is you don't care enough for what God cares for to put the energy in what really is important, and that's saving your marriage and not dismembering them. It's quiet in here. I'm going to make you laugh in just a minute. A lot of people, you know, they want a magic pill. Give me a pill. Give me something. Get, get, give me some blue pills. Give me something to get my peace. Give me something so that I'm so psyched out I don't even hear her nagging or whatever it may be. Denial. Denial. Then there's deception. Uh, if we just ignore it, it'll fix itself. Let me tell everybody here. Your marriage will not fix itself. The creator of marriage is the only one who can fix it. Now, I want to hurry. I, I went too late on some of these things. I want to hurry. I got a clip to show you because, like I said, I've been sharing about the Song of Solomon. It's all kissy. It's all wussy, wussy. I want to show you, according to Hollywood, what they think romance is. Listen to what they say. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Keep your eyes closed. <laughs> I trust you. Isn't that great? But what happens when they get in trouble?
I'll never let go. She's letting go. See you, sucker. I'll never let go. You can trust me. You can trust. Ah! I mean, they're all in love. Oh, everything's so perfect. She breaks his fingers, lets him go. I'll never let go, but he's sinking. She gets saved. Go marry some other guy. Has other kids. Live a whole life. Oh, but I'll never let you go. That's pretty typical. When everything's going good and I feel like I'm flying, as long as you make me feel like I'm flying, I'm going to love you. But when you get cold and indifferent, I'm going to drop you, sucker, like ice. Well, now, that's, that's Hollywood's version of marriage. Now, can I show y'all the true Titanic? This next clip, that is, uh, he saw that big boat, that uh, Titanic, that, that sank, and pow, this is my favorite one right here. Watch this. Ooh, Jack, it's cool. Why you bring me out here? What's your name? My name is Rose, Jack. Rose, turn around. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna trust you. Rose. Yes? Rose, you little eye. I got him. Now put your arms out. Come, sir. Jack, scared. Uh -huh. Yes? Now open your eyes. Tell me what you see, sir. Jack. Ooh. It's like I'm flying, Jack. I know. It's like I was saying. It's like you flying, eh? Oh, look at that, Jack. Wow. It's like you can fly, huh? You know what? It's, it's like I'm flying. That sensation, that it's like you flying, eh? Jack, I've never flown before. Fly, Rose. Oh, fly. I will. Fly, Rose. Jack. You got some chat stick? No. Well, let's see, Jack. Okay, let's go inside. Jack. It's like I can fly, Jack. I know, I know. Remember, I said it was like you could fly, huh? It's like I'm in the air flying. Remember when I said that to her? I said that that you could fly. Hey, shut up. We're going back. Pick up the gun. We're going over there by the grass. Oh, I'll tell you what, Jack. Get over there by the grass. Oh, the fun out of me, Jack. No, no, no. Oh, the fun out of me. I was flying. I was flying. Now, how many of you know that references the real thing? The makeup comes off and the hair goes out. Forget to squeeze the toothbrush in the right place. The toilet paper goes the other way instead of this way. Everything. Forget to put the lid down. Real life happens. And we think, oh, this is so wonderful. This will last forever. And then trouble and life happens. And we wonder, what happened to that something special? Since we lost what was so special, it must mean it's time for a divorce. Because we just don't have it anymore. But what God wants to build is that there is treasure to be found yet in your lives and in your marriage. Don't let the things of Hollywood and other things, and don't let the enemy deceive you, and don't continue to live in denial. I, wanna, I want you to write this down. A lot of problems with divorces is this. Perfection is based on what I want and what I believe perfection is. I want you just to tell your mates right this. I release you from all perfections that I expect of you. Just tell your mate that. I just release you of all the perfections I expect from you. Because nobody's perfect. My wife is highly blessed, but I'm not perfect. I've got a long ways to go. 
As long as she's trying to expect me to be perfect today, she's going to be miserable. As long as you're expecting your mate to be perfect, you're going to be miserable. There are no perfect people. Amen? We get selfish. I want it right now. This is my idea how I want you. This is how you need to be. And we demand it. I'm not talking to you till I see a change. You go to bed and there's like 300 pounds of ice between you and her. You're not making me happy, so you know what? I'm gonna, I, I heard somebody else will make me happy. They've been telling me what I want to hear. But that upgrade's going to cost you. And they're going to change, and they're going to be obsolete too. You're just going to have to watch that. Ecclesiastes 4, look what it says here. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. Eve. But two can stand back to back and conquer. Three. Talking about Jesus now, the three-ply cord. Jesus. Three are even better for a triple-braided cord. You, your wife, you, your husband, and Jesus is not easily broken. Say that with me. Is not easily broken broken. Now I want to give you this scripture here. Nehemiah 4.14. Then as I looked over the state situation, I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord your God who is great and glorious and fight. Somebody shout out fight. This is what you've got to fight for. Fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. He's saying, remember the Lord God. This is the message translation. Look what it says here. And don't be afraid of them. Don't be intimidated. Couples, do not be intimidated by the situation and the problems you're facing right now in your marriage. Don't let the enemy tell you it's over and there's no hope for your marriage. Don't be intimidated by what the enemy is saying. Put your minds on the master. Great and awesome. He is the God of wonders and signs. And then he goes on to say, and then fight. Somebody say fight. Fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. I got another translation. This is Russell Cobb's translation. Corrective modern translation. Don't be afraid of them. Put your minds on the master, great and awesome, and then fight for your wives. You notice uh, Solomon put wives in last place? He put his brother first. When I'm cold, I don't want my brother next to me. I don't know what they were thinking about back then. But he put his brother, his sons, and his daughters before his wife in the home. How many of you know it's the reverse? You fight for your homes and your wives and your daughters and your sons and then the rest of the family. But you fight, first of all, nobody comes between you and your wife and your children. You protect them. You guard them. And you fight over them. Can I hear an amen? amen? You fight the problems. Listen, this is what Jesus was saying. You fight the flesh. You have to fight the thoughts. Come on, saints. You got to fight the thoughts. If you ask me, have you ever had thoughts? I've had thoughts of divorce. I've had thoughts of choking her. <laughs> I, I admit it. She had thoughts of choking me and I deserved it but if you ask me and I'm, I'm being transparent honest with you have you had thoughts I've had thoughts I'm human there is no person 
that is not human. No matter how good they make themselves sound, we're all human. And that's why here I'm real with you. I'm not going to tell you, oh, we got it so perfect. There's too many of them on TV. They say they have perfect, and they end up in divorce, and everybody hears about it. We all have to fight our thoughts, what we look at, what we think about. Everybody. My wife, you hear a couple say, we never say the D word. We've said the D word. We've said divorce. We've gotten so angry at times and so mad at times. We've said, well, we'll just get a divorce. We've said it. I know there's preachers saying don't ever say it. Well, we said it. I know there's people say you don't ever get mad. We've gotten mad. I know there's people say don't ever throw something. We've thrown stuff. I know the Bible says don't let the sun go down in your wrath. We went to bed mad, got up mad, and for three days we're mad. I'm being honest and transparent with you. I don't want to tell you something that's not true. I'm telling you the truth. Oh, oh, it's romantic and it's love and it's Song of Solomon at times. And then other times, we got some gloves. <laughs> and it's, you make me sick. Oh, you make me sicker. I'm tired of this. I'm telling you the truth today. Because I can stand here and smile. It always oh, just, oh. And how is that going to help you when you're bleeding and being dismembered on the inside? Listen, we've been married this June 28 years because we had a fight for it. We've gotten counseling. We've read books. We've spent time. We've stayed up to three in the morning. I've gone to sleep and she woke me up in a very delicate way for me to hear, continue hearing what she had to say and, and so forth and so on. Because you are going to hear me. And you know, you read these birth order books. Let me tell you something. Uh, and, and, and I feel you're getting something out of this, so let me keep on confessing to you today. <laughs> My wife and I, in the birth order, we're both firstborns. Children and grandchildren. My grandparents always laughed because when they brought my little brother home, I was two years old. I got the matchbox and went by a gas heater. And they took a picture of me with a gas heater. I thought, let's cook some rice. I was first born. She was first born. We're both cholerics. We both have strong characters. We both have the type of character that I'm not giving up. Well, I'm not giving up. I'm not giving in. I'm not giving in. We both have strong choleric characters. We're both firstborn in the birth order. You name it, we got it. But we survived the third world countries and everything else because we have that. I'm not going to quit. And I have come to love the choleric in her. And she has come to appreciate the choleric in me. And we have learned iron sharpeneth iron. And baby, we can fight and conquer. We can fight and conquer, not fight each other now, now we fight the enemy, but we can fight and conquer. And so if you're here today and you're saying that's all we do is fight, well, guess what? You're going to better turn that around and fight the enemy and not so much fight each other. Enemy's going to be devastated because two in agreement is exactly how God prepared marriage to be, and that's why exactly the devil has tried to divide you two. 
Because he doesn't want you to walk in agreement in your spirit, soul, mind, and body. He's thrown lust. He's thrown people. He's thrown money. He's thrown things. He's thrown attitudes. He's thrown thoughts. He's thrown imagination. He's thrown dreams. He's thrown philosophy of the world. He's thrown everything he could to try to divide you. Why? Because if you stay together, he's defeated. She's got my back. I got her back. And the enemy is not going to touch us. You might have had some rough times. You may be having rough times. But you are here today to hear this and see all this. You've been here the last five weeks now because God is saving marriages. He's putting back together. And they've got mistakes and they've got hurts and they've got pains and they've got memories. But God is the healer of the pain and the memory. And instead of dismembering what is left, God wants to put the pieces back together. And he wants to heal your life, heal your soul, heal your hurts, and heal your marriage. You may be thinking for a while now, we're, the just, we're just two of the most opposite people you ever met. Well, that's what we saw today. Salt and pepper, they're two opposites, but they go great together. You may feel, well, we're so opposite. Well, I hope so. He's a man and you're a woman. Y'all are from Venus and we're from Mars and Pluto. We're supposed to be different. And there may be differences in your character, in your life, in your marriage, but that's what gives the challenge for the Holy Spirit to heal the hurts in your lives. Uh, my wife and I, we're telling you, wherever you are right now, don't give up. Humble yourself. Seek counsel. Seek wisdom. Don't let the enemy continue leading you towards a cliff of divorce. God hates divorce. Divorce is not the answer. Humbling yourselves, getting over some selfishness, getting past lust and, and past Im images in your mind and your heart, and letting the Holy Spirit fill your heart with the truth is what's going to save your life and save your marriage. And learning to let Jesus fill the places you feel void. Jesus will never let you down. He's not going to let you go down. Amen. Let's bow our head and close our eyes, please. Father, we receive your word. And Lord, in this hour, in this time where the enemy's doing all he can, all of hell is doing all it can against sacredness of marriage in this nation. I pray for every couple here, and the heads are bowed, the eyes are closed. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I am a marriage you're talking to me. We need prayer. I just want you to raise your hand and put it back down real quickly. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want you. God bless you. Just, God bless you. Uh-huh. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Just, just people keep your, uh, God bless you. Just keep your eyes and head down. Eyes closed and heads bowed. Hands were raising all over. Jesus. Holy Spirit of God. Holy Spirit of God. Every marriage here, we want to go to a higher level today. Holy Spirit, we come before you because, Lord, we believe that always and forever is your perfect plan for our lives. So, Heavenly Father, come into every one of our marriages, into our homes. Help us to discipline and watch over our thoughts, our words, what our eyes see. That we don't fall to the trap of living in an area of denial and living in an area of the flesh that will bring us down a road where we end up dismembering what you made one. Marriage is the example of heaven here on earth. 
It shows the love and the unity of all that's in heaven within our homes and our lives. Lord, I pray that you heal the wounds and the hurts, the abuse. Lord, even those who have been hurt because of maybe emotional or even physical affairs, those who have made mistakes, those who have fallen, we pray for total healing, restoration, and reconciliation in the hearts and the minds of these precious people. We thank you the blood covers, moves the stains, destroys the yokes and the curse. We pray blessing over every marriage, over the communion, the love. And we thank you, Lord, not only for long life as far as age goes, but we pray long life to the years of marriage. There be many years of serving and loving and getting to know one another. Help us to humble ourselves, to see ourselves in the areas we need to change. Christ was so selfless. And we're told to follow his example of giving up our lives for one another. Lord, so many times we're willing to give things up for others, but not so quickly for our mates because of unforgiveness and bitterness and anger. But give us the perfect love of Christ that we, were, we are able to totally, completely release them of the anger and the bitterness that we have towards them and to give them your love and give up ourselves for them. Help us to love as you loved us and to forgive them as you have forgiven me. And we praise you and we thank you for it. Restore the homes in word of grace. Restore the homes that this church may be founded upon strong marriages precious stones and brick nothing that will burn under the heat of trials and tribulation build the foundation of your church that you may be glorified we pray in Jesus name heads are bowed, eyes are closed the most important decision is where you're going to spend eternity and right now if you're here today and you do not know Christ as Lord and Savior you need to receive him and receive the forgiveness of sins that he offers you you need salvation. You need assurance that when you die, you'll go to heaven. Would you raise your hand right now if you're saying, Pastor, pray for me. I'm lost. I'm living a life that I know that's not pleasing to God. I don't know where I'll spend eternity if I don't give my heart to Jesus. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Anyone at all? God, God bless you, young lady. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Oh, another hand over here. God bless you, sis. God bless you. May the Lord bless you. Over here, someone else, right here in the middle. God bless you. Right here, God bless you, sir. I see your hand. God bless you, sir. Christians, be praying. Be praying. Another hand over here. God bless you. I see you. God bless you. Giving their heart to Jesus. Giving their life to the Lord. This is the most glorious part of anything in our life. People coming to Christ. Christians, pray. Young people, any area of your life you feel hurt, You've been abused. You've been hurt. You've been used. And it's led you in a path you didn't want to go. And today you want to get your life right with Christ. He can make you pure. He can make you feel respect for yourself again. And he can give you back what you feel like you lost in any area. Just give your life to Jesus. Anyone else at all? God bless you. With those who raise their hands, would you come and meet me up here at the altar, please? Come and meet us here at the altar. There was people from every area that raised their hand come 
come. There were two or three from here and two or three from here and over here. Would you come? Come stand right here. You can face, face me. God bless you. God bless you. Mm. God bless you. God bless you, sir. God bless you. Come. There was others. Oh, yes, these two. Mm. You can come st- stand and face me right here. You can face me right here. Just right here. Thank you. You can come right here. How you doing? God bless you. God bless you, sweetheart. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Some come help me pray for these wonderful people. And I have some people to come, please. Come stand behind these. Anyone else? There was, there was some others that raised their hand. There were some others that raised their hand. Would you come, please? Would you come? You raised your hand. Come and receive Christ today. Today is the day of your salvation. Today is the day of your salvation. Anyone else? Anyone else? Oh, Father, bless this young man. Bless him, Lord. Anyone else? Christians, pray for these precious people. Today is the day of salvation. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, God. Lord, heal these lives. Lord, the pain. The hurt. Oh, Father, Jesus, name. Father, you know this child. You knew him. You wrote volumes about him in his mother's womb. Oh, Father. Today, we thank you that you are our Savior. And you are here right now to save, deliver, and set free to the uttermost. We praise you, Father. Thank God for y'all coming today. Anyone else that had raised their hands? The Bible says that if we believe with our heart and confess with our mouth, we shall be saved. We all need our Savior. It's only through Jesus can we have any hope for today or tomorrow. I want to invite you to put your hand upon your heart because that's where we believe and we confess from. And just confess this with me out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, forgive me of all my sins. I need you to wash me and cleanse me from all the wrong. Wash me in your precious blood. Jesus, thank you, Lord, for dying on the cross for me to save me and that I may have eternal life. Come into my heart. Take over my life and be my Lord and be my Savior. Thank you, Lord, for making me your child. And it's all in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Let's give the Lord praise. <laughs> you got a big smile now. Huh? Yeah. Well, it feels good, huh? Yeah. God bless you, sir. God bless you. God heal you. Heal you of all your hurts and pains. God bless you, my buddy. God bless you. Is this your brother? Huh? God bless you. God bless you. Lord, thank you for peace and blessing. Yes, Sherry. Sister Sherry, her and her husband work with our youth. They'll be able to take your name and they'll write down. We're proud of y'all. Let's give the Lord another praise. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. 
That's what it's all about. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Jesus died for them. This is their new beginning. Oh, hallelujah. They will... Listen, we had people here, even last week, that came up here and got saved for the very first time in their life. People, even up in age, older than these, for the very first time in their life, accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Was rescued from hell. Their names were written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And we've been seeing week after week people that are being rescued and saved. He is saving and He is rescuing marriages and children, identities, emotions. We serve such a gracious, loving God. Can we stand up and can we give Him praise today? And let's thank Him for all that He is doing in Jesus' name. Jesus, we just thank You so much, God, for Your Spirit, Your presence. In this place today, God, we thank you, Lord, for these commitments, Lord. And God, we ask that you would continue to allow us, Lord God, to be used by you, Father, to bring more, Lord, those who are lost, Lord, who are dying, who are seeking and searching, Lord, for the truth. So, God, I pray these people today, Lord, God, be with them, Lord, throughout the week, Father. Let them have opportunity.